It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am, of course, your show host, Randy Fine. And today, we are going to be talking about self-care, self-love, all these kind of things, which you've probably heard me talk about so many times. But we have a guest here that has a special book that's called Self-Care, Let's Start the Conversation. And this is a popular buzzword today, and it often conjures up images of bubble baths. I know that uh, when I tell people, love yourself, take care of yourself, they're like, well, what else can I do besides, like, work out and take baths? Well, there's so much more. It may seem like an obvious concept, but the truth is many people do not actually understand what it is or how to use it. Today's special guest, Robert Allen, is a mental health activist, business strategist, chaplain, and author of Self-Care, Let's Start the Conversation, who prides himself on being personable and relatable, and he genuinely loves people. He has fascinating info and practical, actionable advice about the science of self-care, how to use it, and why it's crucial for health. According to Robert, self-care is an incredibly effective strategy to prevent burnout, increase productivity, and improve overall mental and physical health. As the founder and CEO of New Dimension Counseling, New Dimensions Counseling Services, Robert fights to improve mental health conditions for workers and has seen the significant positive impact of self-care on productivity and profits. Robert also serves as a board-certified chaplain and growth coach, helping everyday people, leaders, and companies maximize their talents and gifts by engaging them through self-care training and retreats, one-on-one, as well as leadership and coaching sessions. Good morning, Robert, and welcome to A Fine Time for Healing. Good morning, Randy. Thank you for having me on. I so appreciate you. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you too. Um, I know that you do really good work. So tell us, what is the concept of self-care in general? Well, I think, as you said, self-care has been a buzzword uh, for a very long time. And what we've seen through COVID, uh, uh, we've seen the word used more often and and across the profession, you know, a lot of people say, well, self-care, self-care is so generic. Um, I, in my book, Self-Care, Let's Start the Conversation, I redefine what self-care really is and what it really means. And I define it as whatever a person needs to fill their cup in their most needful space, if that makes sense. I love that. That is so concise and perfect. I love that. Say that. Will you say that again? 
whatever a person needs in their most needful space to fill their cup. And That's so what it what it translates to is um, self-care is not something that's stagnant. It's not what we are used to, just a bubble bath or just working out or uh, going on a vacation. It's so much more than that because what we may have needed in our earlier, uh, in our 20s and 30s and 40s are quite different from year to year uh, depending on what our circumstances are. Uh, if you went from not having children or having children, your self-care needs are going to be very different. <laughs> yes. And so self-care is progressive. Um, it, it, it's a living thing. It, it's progressive. It's not stagnant. So do we have to have self-love to have self-care? Absolutely. Um I believe that self-love, uh, self-care, and everything that speaks to us, um, some people have even said soul care, uh, is all part of self-care in some form of, of fashion. So self-love, loving yourself, um, being kind to yourself, that's part of caring for yourself. And so I think self-care is the general term that includes all of these other elements to ensure that we're caring for ourselves in totality. So important. Why do you think there's such a misconcept of what self-care is among the um, you know, majority of people? Um, again, I, I think when you overuse it and then when it's used out of context, um, before I went through chaplaincy, uh, in, in training for chaplaincy, my own definition or my own thought of self-care was just taking a, a break for a minute or going on a vacation and then jumping right back in. Uh, I never really understood or no one ever really explained what self-care was. It was simply just a break. So once breaks yielded as being ineffective, and, you know, in decreasing stress and things like that, people say, oh, self-care, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't work. Or when you go on a vacation, um, how many people have went on vacation for self-care and they took their entire family with them? <laughs> and that vacation ended up being, you know, taking care of the needs of your spouse or significant other or the children or if you can on a girl's trip or a guy's trip is, you know, focusing on, you know, the needs of the group. And really self-care is not a, a, a central element there. And so I think that's it, – it just became generic over time, and it was ineffective. So people just, you know, self-care is self-care. That makes sense. Makes sense. And you're right about vacations with so many people. It is not relaxing. I agree. I agree. No, not at all. Not at all. No, no. Yeah, for me, that's not a vacation because I don't, when I go on vacation, I don't want to compromise with 10 other people. You know, I want to do what I want to do when I'm there. So that's just me. Some people love groups, um, you know, whatever. Different yeah. strokes for different <laughs> folks. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll have to agree with you. I remember uh, 
you know, me saying, I, you know, I just have to get away, I, I, you know, and went on a uh, on a family vacation, and I was taking care of everybody else. And at the end, when I got home, I wanted to take a vacation from the vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Because I, I never had that time for me. So true. So let's talk about, um, before we get into all the different ways to provide self-care, claim self-care for ourselves, one of the things that pops into my mind is people who are caretakers for sick individuals, invalids, so forth and so on, Mm -hmm. that feel like it's their responsibility to be there 24-7 and they burn Mm -hmm. out very quickly. What do you have to say to people like that? Well, Randy, I'll, I'll tell you this. That that hits close to home uh, for me specifically. Um, my mother has been the caretaker cousin who has cerebral palsy, and he's also blind. Uh, she's been his caretaker for over uh, 20 years after the death of my aunt. And so, you know, my mother is part of the old school. She's in and uh, just has the mentality that I can do it all. And so I even wrestle with my own mother with regards to taking care of herself. Um, She, you know, felt the need that she has to be there uh, for my cousin 24-7, that no one can take better care of him than her. And so... Uh, there's a lot of other things that's wrapped up in into that, and you know, I, the family and I, we try to help her to understand that, you know, taking care of him, or taking care of yourself is also being able to take care of him. When you're tired and when you're exhausted, um, you're not your best self. You can't be. You're not a hundred percent because you need to recharge. So even helping my own family understand the concept of you have to recharge your batteries first to be able to care for those who we we love and care for. So those who are caretakers, if I can offer anything to them, would be for you to be your best self. You have to take time for you. The time is now to take care of you so that you can take care of the ones that you love. That's great advice. Why do so many people, and I, and I hear this among my clients as well, why do so many people think that to be a good person means to sacrifice something about yourself? Why, why do we have this, um, this kind of misunderstanding? Because I don't believe we have to sacrifice. I believe we can give. I believe we can compromise. Um, but sacrifice, I think that's kind of an old idea. What do you think? Well, I think um, it depends culturally where you come from. Some of these aspects, and again, these are some of the things that I speak about in the book, is cultural. Uh, Me being an African-American male, culturally speaking, uh, you know, if you did not take care of your family and and go 100% in, then, you know, it was frowned upon. So, you know, in in certain cultures, whether it's the Middle Eastern culture, uh, whether it's the uh, Latino and Hispanic culture where the 
the females are essential part of being caretakers for the family. Uh, I think a lot of it is cultural, and then it becomes societal. And so when you have those who is that that demands, oh no, this is what you must do, uh, then it's kind of taking a look at those cultural and then social norms and saying, okay, this is how it's being done. But as you said, when it comes to self love uh, and self care. I don't have to sacrifice all of who I am and lose myself in taking care of others because I'm important too. And I need to I need to let myself know that I'm important and need to be taken care of as well. So well said. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh yeah, cuz I I mean that work comes up a lot and and when I say mm-hmm. to people, you know, they're like, "Well, you know, I have to sacrifice my happiness so that somebody else can have a good life. And, I, and I'm like, what? No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, um, yeah. And I agree with you. <laughs> and I agree with you. But a lot of people, when you think about it, um, if you take the general population, how many people are good with setting boundaries, healthy <laughs> boundaries? <laughs> and so when when you look at that, you know, if if we're not taught to set healthy boundaries, then we allow a lot of these cultural things or or some of these guilt feelings to override us because we have not learned to establish healthy boundaries, even within the family, which is most important because those are the boundaries that we need to have in place the most uh, many times. You are not kidding. It's so true. It's where it's where we are supposed to learn boundary setting. Um, yes. But many, yeah, many families do not have it. Uh, and uh, yeah, boundaries is a foreign concept to so many people until they understand what it is. You know, in a lot of my work, whether it's coaching or doing consulting uh, with with businesses, uh, my team and I. You know, those are some of the things that we look at first. What are your boundaries? What is your work-life balance? And what are your boundaries at work? A lot of times we put on more stuff on ourselves than what is actually being required. So we live in such a competitive world now where, you know, a lot of times we think if I stay at work 12 hours and people see this, this will lead to me uh, being, you know, or, or, or rising in the company versus someone who's there for six hours who's as productive, if not more, and get their work done in half the time, it's these concepts that we tell ourselves that if I do this, then this, or if I don't do this, then I won't have this. And so some of the the talk that we have to ourselves, uh, self-talk, and then some of the uh, uh, boundaries that we lack to say, no, uh, uh, I'll give you an example, if I may. Sure. My wife and I, <laughs> my wife and I, uh, one summer said, you know, our kids are not going to sit at home. This is when I was living in Las Vegas, and you know, in the summer the kids it's too hot to go outside, uh, so the kids would just stay in the house. And we said, no, we're gonna we're going to uh, ensure that they are busy, that they have stuff to do. And so we got with the uh, the multi generational center, which is a recreation center. And we filled up so many spots of classes. They were taking a cooking class, an art class, a this class, a that class. 
and we set it up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So the first and second week, it went well. By the third week, my wife and I was absolutely exhausted because we were playing, oh, we got we to gotta get home. We got to get them. We got to get them there. Then we have to get back. We have to cook dinner. We had, and our intentions was good to ensure that the kids had something to do and that they just didn't sit at home. But I don't think we planned it out very well because we didn't think about how they were going to get there, how they were going to get back, and our involvement in it as well. That's a great example. And and I think it's a common example, actually. I think that's something that we all do. Um, another thing that, you know, you were talking about working, you know, just working so many hours to try to prove yourself. and But the other thing is that there are people who, who think, truly believe that no one can do what they do as well as they do it. <laughs> you know, and the truth of the matter is we are all replaceable in our jobs, every single person. Um, yes. You know, we don't have to cling to something like that. Uh, thinking that if we leave, the entire organization is going down. I mean, <laughs> that's an, that's a big ego thing, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely. And and so I, I think again, it, it's the conversation that we tell ourselves. I was uh, speaking to someone else, and we were talking about leaders and management, and how leaders really do not have many people to talk to, uh, from CEOs to upper management. Uh, when, when you think of outside of the business world, you go into the nonprofit world, executive uh, directors, and if you go into the religious uh, aspects, pastors. Uh, when you look at leaders, a lot of time they have no one to go to. Uh, I think for the most part, they do not really know how or have the understanding or concept of what true self-care is. They have no one to decompress with. And so when we look at it, even from a you know, a structural standpoint, uh, it's ingrained. So if you have a leader who says, I work 17 hours a day to make sure that this company is a success and that we have everything that we need, then they filter that down to the supervisors and then the employees. So if we begin to take a holistic look and say, okay, well, we need to start having these conversations with those who are leaders. Now I'm going to take it back a little bit. That even goes to the family. So me being a father or my wife being a mother, we're the leaders of our family. So it's important for us to show our children okay, there's a time for play, there's a time for work, but there's also a time that you need just for you. That's your you time and in your space. I love that. I really do. It's, um, you know, as someone who requires space and recharging, uh, that's really important to me. And I, I think I raised my children that way. I think I did. I, you know, I, I tried to because... I wanted them to understand. Yeah, I mean they're they're older, they're they're adults, but um, I wanted them to understand the concept of privacy and self. <clears throat> and so I tried to instill that in my children. 
what, okay, so let's talk about some of the components of self-care. What is one of them? Well, so I have four particular pillars that I speak about in the book, and it's called the four R's. The first R is retreat. And what retreat means is to get away from, to remove yourself from whatever the stimulus or the situation is. Um, A lot of times we try to retreat in the area that brings us the tension, the anxiety, the stress, and that's not true retreat. You have to retreat so to remove yourself away uh, or move yourself away from. The second is after you retreat to actually reflect, taking time for reflection. Uh, in, a, in, in this world where everything moves so fast, I think reflection is the one element that we lose track of. Reflection allows us or helps us to see what things worked, you know, when you get away and you're actually able to reflect, you can begin to see maybe I didn't need to do this or maybe I didn't need to do that or how well did this work or how well did that work? Maybe I have to take a step back from or increase something. So giving people that that space and the time to reflect is is so crucial. And so after you move from reflect, you go retreat, reflect, and then replenish. What is filling your space in your uh, what is filling your cup in your most needful space? What refreshes you? And so in that in that particular pillar, I talk about uh, a myriad of things of who are cup fillers and then who are cup drainers. What fills us and what drains us? So everyone has relationships with people, good, bad, or indifferent. Some relationships with people bring you life and energy, and then some, you know, deplete you. So being able to be aware of which does what (laughs) and having a balance and saying, you know, I need to be charged. So I can't be at this place uh, or around this group of people or people that's going to pull and tug on me. I need people that's going to uh, fill my cup. And then with that, you have to understand how your cup, how you fill your own cup, what things. For me, it's going to nature. I love nature. Uh, I love going to the beach or the lake, and I love being surrounded by trees. So for me, I've went camping by myself and just enjoy nature. Uh, And then the last R is to restore, and that's compiling Retreat, reflect, refresh, and when you think about restored, moving back or moving into a a direction of being fully uh, refreshed and you're restored back to a a point of newness, of wholeness, of, of calmness, and pushing forward from that state of mind. So it's a re- restoration deals with your mindset and how you move forward. So those are the four R's, which I call, uh, uh, which I call the four R's, which are four of the pillars that uh, we do trainings on, we do retreats on, and that we try to help people implement into their everyday self-care.
So important. What What are some of the ways that we can reflect? I mean, is meditation one way? Meditation is one way. Uh, and, you know, different people do different things. And so I, I, I won't say that there's necessarily a wrong way or a right way. I'm going to say what works best for that individual. Um, so when we think of reflect, just allowing yourself the time and the space to be at peace. And I think that's the word that, that is so lacking when it comes to reflection. Uh, it's kind of hard to reflect in the midst of chaos. And that's why it's important to retreat. But for some people, it will be meditation. For other people, it would just be being calm or just in the place of being at peace. Let's talk about the man cave. Um, this is a concept. <laughs> <laughs> this is a concept for, uh, from men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and it's just the concept took off. I don't even know if people really know that that's where it came from, but that's where it did mm-hmm. come from. So, what is it about the man cave that is so important to men? And do women need women caves? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Uh, so the man cave for me, um, my man cave is, is is themed by my favorite football team, college football team, which is the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes. And so my man cave is, you know, Buckeye Central. There's is, is a, a lot of Buckeye uh, stuff in there, um, particularly on Saturdays, which is my self-care day. Uh, I'll be in my man cave. I get to choose who comes into my man cave <laughs> because that's my time and my space. And so one of the things that I've uh, that I've done in my own family, and I believe in practicing uh, what you speak, is my wife has Fridays for her self-care. And so she can go and do whatever she wants to do. That's her day. It doesn't have to include me uh, unless she wants. Uh, uh, want me to be there or be present, but that is absolutely her day without question. Saturday is my day. Saturday is my day to do whatever I want to do, whether it's with her or not with her. It's my day to spend how I want. And so I think it's essential for women to have a space that's their own, that's their sacred space for them, and they get to decide who they spend time with in their space. Same for men. Uh, If you come in on a Saturday and you're not focused on the game, then you can't be in my space on my Saturday because that's my self-care time. (laughs) That's my man cave space. (laughs) (laughs) There was a a commercial, and it took me a while to understand what she was talking about, but she talked about, I think it was an insurance commercial, and she talked about her she shed burned down. And... I was like, what is it she shed? And then I think my husband said, it's a woman's man, it's a woman's man cave, the she shed. I thought that was so cute. But <laughs> yeah. So we need our she sheds. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, look, I, I have a she shed. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> You broke up. You broke up a little bit. You you were saying. Oh, 
No, what I said, uh, absolutely, I endorse it. Please go and get a she shed. <laughs> Have your space, your sacred space, your area. I am all for it. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so there are different kinds of self-care. How do we decide which kind works best for us or which style works best for us? You know, I think that's I think that is the lovely part. Um, self and I, I speak about that in the book and um as many books as I, I try to sign, I, I try to I try to make it personal, uh, to some extent in terms of uh whenever one purchase when anyone purchases a book, I try to sign or put something in there that's gonna be meaningful to each person who buys a book. And so I always end journey well. Um, self-care is a journey. And so as I was saying earlier about it being progressive, what I want people to know more than anything is that some things may not work that you've tried last year because you're in a different space than you were last year. You may be in a different maturity. Your circumstances may have changed. But it depends on the person and what they like and what they're into. So for the introverted person, um, being alone may not be what they need. They may need to be energized. So that person may actually want to go to a baseball game or uh, 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 go to a, a play or orchestra or be surrounded around friends. That would be their particular part of self-care in the essence of, They've been alone for so long, they need energy, or having energy will benefit them in along their self-care journey. Uh, consequently, or subsequently, you may have someone who is the energetic bumblebee that's in everything, and they need to be pulled back, or they need to pull back, and their interest may be, well, I like art. So... For us on our team, we have a, a therapeutic art coach, and what she does is she works with people and companies and groups, and they do therapeutic art, and based off artistic uh, expressions and things like that, you're able to learn so much about you and who you are and uh, some things that you may not have known uh, about yourself. I'll give you uh, an example. We would do something on Sunday called family dinner, and it was four or five families. We would get together on Sunday, and we would uh, eat together and play games and and uh, just do fun stuff. And so one day uh, she came by our therapeutic artist. Her name is uh, Valerie Woods. She came by and said, we're going to do something different today. And so she gave us draw was whatever's on your on your mind. So everyone went in and they drew one at a time, and then she gave us some instructions to come back and draw another piece. And then she brought the whole group together and showed us on one blank canvas, or well, on one canvas, how all of us connected and how we all interpreted the directions a little differently. It showed us a lot about our personality. It showed us a lot about a, a lot about, you know, what our needs were and some of the things, and and we were able to express ourselves in such a way. And that was at a family dinner. 
So um, I didn't even know that I needed that or that would have been meaningful to me, but it ended up being one of the most meaningful family dinners that we ever that we ever had. It was adults and kids. Everyone participated. Hmm. Sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. It really so does. I, I, so I, I think it really uh, depends on the person. And in that reflection time, they're able to say, these are things that worked in the past and they don't work as effectively anymore. So I need to do some searching on what would be beneficial in my most needful space. So you were just talking about um, having having needs fulfilled that we may not even be aware of. One of the things that I think is really important is that we embrace our needs for, you know, that we embrace our needs. Some people deny their needs. And Absolutely. Right? If we listen to ourselves, we know pretty much what we need, right? Yeah, I, I think we do. And I think there are some things that we leave undiscovered because um, one of the things that I say a lot now is I want people to live life, to live life. And so living um, what does that mean to you? So if I say live life and we ask 10 people what they consider living, uh, life is going to be quite different. And okay. then some of those things are asking questions. Well, what did you used to like to do when you were, or, or you know, I'm real big into, tell me what you did when you were 16. What was fun? So I'll ask you that. I'm going to put you on the spot if you don't mind. At what were some of the fun things that you loved to do at 18? Well, I always loved art. I always, you know, loved to do that. I loved music. Um, Mm -hmm. I played piano. I played guitar. Uh, Those are the things that really, yeah, those are the things that really sent me into a different dimension. And I needed it because I grew up in a very tumultuous home. And Mm -hmm. I needed, excuse me, and I needed to escape within the space Mm -hmm. I, I was forced to live in. Mm, yes. And so let me ask you this. Give me one of your favorite songs when you were 18, if you can think of oh. When you were 18, oh my one gosh. of your favorite songs. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Um, I'm trying to think about my favorite artists, who are still really my favorite artists today. Um, okay. So I love James Taylor, so let's talk about um, – oh, I know – I know it okay. was a um, it was a Steely Dan song. Ricky, don't lose that number. Ricky, don't lose that number. Now let me ask you this: <laughs> when, was the last, when was the last time you heard that song? Oh, I hear it a lot because I'm on Sirius Radio on Bridge, so they play <laughs> okay. they play all my old songs all the time. <laughs> okay, and so here's the thing: when I asked you about 18 year old you, and what were some of the things? you were able to say, well, these are the things that really, your whole voice and everything changed. It's like I can see you smiling through the phone. (laughs) And sometimes what we do is we work and we have responsibilities and we forget the old us and what brought us happiness. And then some of the other parts of that is 
we get so regimented with responsibilities that we don't look to do new things and explore new things. So part of, you know, what I try to uh, help people do and another part of what I try to encourage people to do, what are some of those things that brought you joy and happiness? One of the things for me was Uno. I love Uno. (laughs) So when I get a chance to play Uno, it takes me back to a time that was fun and I enjoyed. Uh, But also I'm looking to do new things. I've never been um, to the sand dunes. And so now what I do is every year I plan something new that I want to do. I love traveling. So Every year I'll go to a new place just to experience something new, a new culture, a new experience. Uh, I love cooking. One of my dreams is to go and just cook in Italy, and I'm going to do that. It's on my bucket list, but I'm going to get it done. (laughs) (laughs) And and so even with the way that I raised my family, um, when we talk about uh, uh, Christmas and uh, different holidays, what we've implemented in my family is uh, one of the children will get to say where we're going to go that year and what we're going to do. And so we all experience something new. Uh, And so instead of Christmas just being about gift giving, um, we make it an experience with family experiencing something new. So these are little trinkets that you can do uh, and you can, You know, make it any which way you want. It could be for your birthday. It doesn't have to be for Christmas. Or make it for uh, particular holidays or however people want to do it. But those are just little trinkets that people can do. Very great ideas. I love what you do, (laughs) what you do with your children. It is so empowering. It's one thing that, uh, you know, I tell people that are who are having problems with their children is to give their children their power back or give them mm-hmm. some power in their life that they're making decisions. So that's so important. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And so uh, two years ago, of course, not last year due to COVID, but two years ago, um, I, it was my daughter's turn to pick. And so we went to, we went, she wanted to go snowboarding. Uh, and so I had never been snowmobiling and it was something that I said I always wanted to do. So, we went snowmobiling, and it was an amazing experience. And so my daughter having the ability to pick that trip and what we, you know, some of the things that we did on that trip um, was freeing. She felt empowered. Uh, the family was excited. We all experienced something new. Uh, it was amazing. And things don't have to necessarily cost a lot. Um, your self-care could be at a, at a, at a park. It can be at a lake. It can be someplace that uh, doesn't cost you anything. Um, so I just give those little examples of things that people can do. It's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, you've just opened up so many ideas for us. I so appreciate that. <laughs> so many ideas. Absolutely. Little things. Little things. Absolutely. Um, there are many people who cannot say no. And so they, what they're doing really is not honoring their own time. So how do, for people like that, what do you say? How do they take on less? What is the best way to do that? 
<laughs> it's funny that you asked me that. So I'm going to give you a quote by Bruce Lee. It says, it's not daily increase, but daily decrease. Hack mm. away at the unessentials. Mm. And uh, Bruce Lee said that. Mm-hmm. What I'll say to the uh, uh, people who can't or have a problem with it, I I believe no is an art. And so I say practice the art of no. And I think when people begin to understand how to set healthy boundaries, no becomes more powerful. And so part of that, and I tell people all the time, um, did you cross a boundary or did they cross a boundary? And that is 50-50. Sometimes people cross boundaries or 50% of the time we cross the boundary that we set for ourselves. And so I encourage people, set strong boundaries that are healthy. And so there shouldn't be any guilt with it. So no, no doesn't mean it's final. It can be no, not right now. No, not at this time. No, I don't have the energy or the resources at this time. Maybe a number. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a chapter in my book, Close Encounters, um, where I talk about how to say no. And you're right. It is an art. And there are many ways we can do it without it just being no. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I tell people is that when someone asks you to do something or for something, we think that all the expectation is on us, that if we don't do mm-hmm. it, that person will not get their needs met. But I say people always have a plan B. When someone asks, yeah. you know, if, I, if I'm asking somebody to do something, I'm not counting on that. Maybe there's another direction I can go if that person does not want to do it. But I, I believe people always have a plan B. And maybe, you know, with that understanding, um, it releases some of the obligation. Yeah, Absolutely. And what I will add to you with that is um, uh, one of the chapters that I have in the book is about mentors and accountability partners. I have uh, several accountability partners that I meet with periodically that holds me accountable to setting boundaries. For instance, uh, the the COO of New Dimensions Consulting, uh, Rashida Shabazz, is one of my accountability partners. And so what she helps me with is I'm so kind-hearted. I give I will give any and everything away. <laughs> I'm just I just love people. I love to help and she and she will let me know how does that affect your energy. So she has permission from me to work with me in my inability to say no at times. And so having accountability partners in my life to help me with certain aspects that I need to be sharpened in or I need to be held accountable for has served me well in in so many occasions. And so I employ um, accountability partners. They don't have to be close friends. They don't have to be family. Be a yes person. It needs to be a person that, is comfortable with telling you about you and giving them 
uh, and the authority to say, okay, you can check me in this manner with regards to these things. And so, mm. absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I was going to say, it's often not good to have an accountability partner that's in your uh, nuclear family, your immediate family. Yes, absolutely. We, <laughs> absolutely. We don't we don't listen to people that we live with. <laughs> we don't. We don't want right, to hear it from well, people that we live with. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. And so my accountability partners are is not my wife. Is well, I'll I'll say my wife is my accountability partner on certain aspects as it pertains to um you know, sometimes she's able to tell me when I need to stop. When I'm mm-hmm. overdoing something, and she'll say, you need to rest. But then I'll typically go to one of my other accountability partners who right. is really my <laughs> accountability partner, and then I'll say, well, this is what my wife said, and this was a conversation between her and I, and then and then I'll I'll process it with them, and then I'm able to go back to my wife and say, you know what, you were right. Um, I did need to pull back and 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 really take some time. So thank you for that. And so now she just point me, you need to speak to your accountability partner about XYZ. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. And she doesn't and she doesn't get annoyed when you say when you don't listen to her and you go outside of her advice. Oh well yes, she'll get annoyed and then that's why she'll say, you need to go talk to your uh accountability partner. And so I, I will. And so we've created that that level of effective communication in which we say, I think you need to uh, talk to one of your mentors or your accountability partners. And I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll, and I'll respect that and say, okay. And typically when I, I do go to one of my accountability partners or one of my mentors, she's absolutely correct. <laughs> well, she's probably listening, so uh, you were right. <laughs> honey. <laughs> you were right, honey. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. You're always right, honey. <laughs> um, so tell me how you got, because you sound so mentally and emotionally healthy. How did you come about mm-hmm. that? Was this, did this come from childhood? Did it start in childhood, or was this something you had to really work on? Oh, is something that I really had to work on and something that I continuously uh, work on. Um, actually, after um, uh, I'm going to start writing the, the sequel to Self-Care, Let's Start the Conversation, and that's going to be entitled Self-Care, Let's Continue the Conversation, uh, which will get deeper. Um, but I think it was when I was going for my master's degree in counseling, um, I had a professor and if you can think of this visually or if you could uh, try to visualize this, um, she had me come down. We were, this was the introduction into the counseling program. And she said, the very first thing I want you to do, your homework is to go out and get a therapist. And I'm looking and I said, what does she mean? Like, we're here to be counselors. Why do we need to be the therapist? I was just like, this doesn't make sense. And so uh, I think she heard me, and she asked me to come down to the front of the classroom. And if you can visualize this, she said, I just want you to stand here. You look like you work out. You look like, you know, you're in good shape. I said, yeah, I'm pretty good. So she just kept addressing the class, and then she put books 
on my hands and say, I just want you to hold this. Put your arms out. I want you to hold this. And so, you know, a couple books, I'm tossing them up like this is nothing. And then after a couple minutes, a couple more books, um, you know, I started shaking a little bit. And she said, you know, what's going on? I said, nothing. She piled more books. More end of story, I dropped the books. And then she turned and looked at me and said, you have 30 people in this classroom. When were you going to ask someone for help? Or when were you going to tell me no? Then she said, or when were you going to tell me no, that's enough? And I looked, I I just felt (laughs) as small as small could be. And she said, that's why you need the therapist, because people who are in helping fields or feel um, obligated to help, they don't know when they've had enough. And they typically don't figure that out until it's too late, until all the books have been dropped. And so that has stuck with me and was part of my motivation in writing the book. I want people to be able to employ these uh, these pillars and these tools before they drop all the books. Wow. That was brilliant of her. What a brilliant. Yeah. I mean, because that is some, right. That's something that once we hear it and visualize it, we'll never forget. That is really a brilliant yeah. concept. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So many of the uh, clients who come to me are, are care t- you know, caregivers. They just, they mm-hmm. don't take care of themselves. They just want to help others. They're helpers. They're, you know, uh, they're, they're always thinking of everybody else. And um, that's, for those who are listening, that's a great image for you to understand. You know, mm-hmm. I put out so much information about narcissistic abuse and I I can see my numbers, I can see my statistics and everything and I know thousands of people are watching and reading what I say, what I do. Plus my books. Mm-hmm. And I always say almost every time when I say something on a audio or video thing, I always say you have to get help. This is something mm-hmm. that you can't do by yourself. You have to get help. And maybe not even 1% of people will reach out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think, is, I think is amazing. It's really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. People who are used to being care, caregivers, caretakers of everybody else, don't think they need help. So what do you have to say about that? Well, again, I think, you know, with this hitting so close to home, and this is something that, um, you know, it, it's a it's a constant reminder, it's a constant reminder, uh, is we have to be consistent in our message to them and letting them know that, you know, you've done nothing wrong and taking time for you is not a bad thing. Uh, the message has to be consistent because, see, the other part of that message is, um, again, when you look at people culture, um, some cultures would suggest that that's exactly what you do. <laughs> so it's dispelling myths of, you know, cultural myths, societal uh, myths. You know, um, whenever someone has that ingrained in their head, it's going to take time to deprogram or unlearn those behaviors because they become habitual, they become habits. And so, our message has to be consistent 
it has to uh, uh, in in painting pictures for people to see, uh, like how um, my professor painted that. Well, it, I experienced uh, that, but, but you, you painted it. To... But you painted it for us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so painting pictures like that, as simple as going on an airplane, the very first thing that the flight attendant tells you as they go over the emergency uh, uh, information is you must put on your mask first before uh, helping someone else. Well, why? Because hypoxia, if you don't put your mask on first, you may not be able to help the other person put their mask on and you both perish. So helping people get it and and see it from different points of view and and when they're able to visualize one of the examples, one of the experiences will click for them. Um, We just have to continuously encourage and be consistent in our message. Your message is so important for so many people. It's, you know, we we would think that you know it would be our nature to take care of ourselves, but maybe maybe it was maybe before you know we became domesticated, uh, it was our nature to take care of ourselves. But somewhere along mm-hmm. the line, that whole message got lost. So, um, is there what is what is something you'd like to leave us with? What is a really important thing for you to leave us with? Well, I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm going to leave everyone with the four R's. Please take the time to retreat. Give yourself that space that is sacred to you, whatever that may be, that you may be able to honestly and transparently reflect on your life, on your situation, on some decisions that you make, or some decisions that you need to make, or maybe even the art of saying no. <laughs> Uh, refresh, write a list down of things that you've always wanted to do. Write a list down of things that you've done that has given you life, that has filled your cup. And then draw a line and things that drain you. And I want you to begin to look at it and begin to balance it. Do more things that replenish you than than putting yourself in places and areas that drain you. You need that balance. And once you're able to do that, the last R to restore, taking all that you have learned through the time of retreat, reflection, and refreshing to move forward with a different focus. So if I can leave uh, uh, the audience with anything, please employ the four R's in your self-care journey. That's so great. I'm glad that you, re- you, know, that you um, brought that up again. And it, and elaborated on that because I do agree that that's that I mean that sums it all up really it it really does it's very very good so thank you oh my gosh um <clears throat> well it's been wonderful talking to you so your book um wait, I write this down so your uh, book self-care. is self care let's, let's start, start the, the conversation con- right and this book is yes. available <laughs> everywhere uh. Uh, yes, you can go to the website. It's www.rwallen, and Allen is spelled A-L-L-E-N, uh, dot, uh, com. so rwallenbooks.com, or you can also uh, buy it off Amazon. 
If you go to the website, uh, you will get a signed copy from me, and there's some other. So we have a shirt that says, Do Not Disturb Self-Care Mode. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> And so uh, we have other fun things uh, on there so people can go to the website. Uh, and if if they have businesses or companies, they can go to the website and hit the training button, and it will uh, redirect you for people who want uh, trainings on self-care or retreats on self-care. So, Or you can go to Amazon and self-care, let's start the conversation, Robert Allen, and you can purchase it off of Amazon as well. Right, and you do um, so. You do coaching, and you do um, retreat workshops and things like that. Absolutely, uh, and so we have a team again that we have a, a, a therapeutic artist on our team who is absolutely phenomenal. We have a, a growth coach uh, as well, uh, Rashida Shabazz. Well, we have several growth coaches, several growth coaches, uh, but Rashida Shabazz deals uh, extensively with self-love, and um, uh, she is also a fashion enthusiast, so she works that into self-love. So, yeah, we just have a lot of different niches that we deal with to help people and encourage people and trainings that we have to help and encourage people. And this is New Dimensions Consulting Services that you're referring to, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Well, that about does it, but boy, we covered a lot. And I think um, this is so valuable. Really, I mean, oh, I know my audience, you know, and, and I think this is was like super valuable for them. They needed to hear this from you. So thank you for that incredible message. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I think you are amazing. And if you ever need anything, don't hesitate. Just reach out. Uh, I really, really appreciate you. We appreciate you. My team appreciates you. And to your listeners, thank you all for tuning in on today. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Um, take care, Robert. It's wonderful to have you. You as well. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening. Hello? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.